Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Hey guys, this podcast episode is brought to you by our sponsor, St. Gaster. So are you looking at getting your product into the hands of the right people, the people that are going to absolutely love it? Did you know that podcast advertising is literally 4.4 times more effective than the traditional display type of advertising? So if you're looking at really using podcast advertising, you may want to connect with Sencaster. So they've created this thing. It's called the Sencaster Podcast Marketplace, where you can connect as a brand or a company with the right type of creators. And again, you know, via Sencaster, you can connect with people like myself, where essentially we are putting ads of the brands and the companies that we absolutely love. So again, if you are interested in doing this, just go to send.ai forward slash dealmakers1, and that is a number one. And again, the team at Sencaster will be able to guide you in the right direction. All righty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So exciting is an understatement with our guest today, because the guest today that we're going to have, he's built multiple companies to thousands of employees. And I think that the way that he thinks about building and scaling companies is, a, is, a, is he has a very interesting approach. And we're definitely going to go through his story, go through his journey. And I'm sure that you are all going to find it very inspiring. So I guess without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Arvin Jain. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Alejandro. Excited to be here. So originally born in India. So you grew up there and uh, eventually you ended up uh, landing in Delhi. But uh, how was life growing up there? I mean, it was fun. Like we, uh, yeah, like you said, I, we, I, I was born in India, went to high school in the, you know, in the city, like stayed in, in that whole city for, you know, until high school, then went to college. Uh, a lot of great times, a lot of great memories, you know, from the childhood. Yeah, it was awesome. And engineering and computer science. I mean, how, how do you land with computers? How do you develop that love for computers? So we, when I was about 10 years old, uh, my elder brother, he, he bought a PC and, and brought it at home. And I think it was actually very, it was sort of a rare thing to, you know, you know in, the, in those days. Like, you know, nobody, like most of the people had not even seen what it is or understood what computers are. Like we were remember, like in India, we were actually behind, like, you know, the, uh, it was not as common probably as it was in the U.S. And so my first interaction with the computers was playing video games on that on that device that he brought. I used to play Pac-Man and you know that I have these you know big floppies you know put them you know play a game and and that that's how you know that that's how we sort of started to get into it. But I didn't actually like I actually like until until I graduated from high school I I didn't I didn't feel like hey computers was anything but to sort of just have fun play games on. And like I had not developed the the love for like hey this is something you know I want to actually be a programmer or uh, uh, any of that like that was that was not the case for us you know in India you know things work differently you actually go and apply you know take a, like a SAT like an exam to actually go and you know uh, study engineering and when you study engineering you have to actually declare what you're going to study before you right 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 before you actually enter the program and the the and like you know we just got it I, I just got advice from you know, uh, from counselors at yeah, computer science is the future and go and and and, and enroll in that. And that, that's how I started my journey there. I'm glad, you know, they, they helped me, 
you know, figure that out because I loved it so much. Like, you know, so so in, in that regard, how did you figure out that you wanted to come to the U.S.? So uh, as, you know, we were going through that undergraduate program, the uh, I got, you know, really interested in, 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 in the in the field of computer science, my favorite topics were just figuring out, like, you know, how to build algorithms, you know, and uh, solutions, you know, to, to hard mathematical problems. And and I wanted to just keep doing more more of that and doing a PhD in the U.S., you know, with, you know, in best schools with the best professors, you know, that was sort of what most of our, you know, uh, like fellow students would do. And like, you know, I joined them and was excited to just keep working on it like that. It's, it's such a fun subject to to study and read. And the idea was to do the PhD and keep building on the academics, you know, side of things. But all of a sudden, you decide to drop. I mean, I'm sure that the whole dropout thing, you know, was kind of scary. I mean, you you ended up dropping out for Microsoft, which is obviously an incredible company. Uh, but what was that thought process? Yeah. So this was this this was after I got my master's degree so there was there was a milestone like you know i was in grad school you first get your master's degree then and then you continue on to get your phd later on so after i got that like you know i sort of felt that you know the like i didn't have you know enough experience or uh or background i actually never had a job like before that it was sort of unusual like you know like the, like didn't have any internships that i had done um uh, and I had no idea, like, you know, what are the real world problems, you know, that companies like, you know, Microsoft or any other companies solve. And so I felt a little bit unprepared, you know, in terms of even figuring out, you know, like what I want like, to do more research and, you know, when it comes to computer science. And so I, I actually, you know, went on a leave and which is what like most people do, like, you know, you don't quit the program right away. I went on the leave. I wanted to spend a few years in the industry, learn more about like real world problems. And then maybe have like you know I felt that I would have a better context to then continue my research, but then like you know of course I never went back and ultimately like actually unenrolled and dropped out for the program. Now interesting that uh, so you you were working now at Microsoft uh, really uh, getting involved with the with with the employment side of things, but uh, but I guess you know at one point you know after only being there for about two years, then the venture world comes knocking. So how was entering in the in the startup venture world? How did that look like? So so after two yeah, so after two years at Microsoft, I joined this company called Akamai. And this is this is this was it was a hot startup. Like it, you know, it actually solved a very basic fundamental problem. It made websites faster. So like, you know, they would actually go and sell, you know, like, you know, enable, you know, websites like, you know, CNN or like any other other large site, you know, they would make you know make their pages load fast and that was actually something that we needed a lot in those days like in 99 like you know broadband was not you know was was not that common and you know you have to wait a lot on the internet you know to get you know to actually read a page you know to get information so so it made a lot of sense you know for somebody to come and focus on like you know hey how how can we make internet more snappy and it seemed like a great problem i had a couple of friends you know who had gone there and they said, you know, this is, you know, this is so amazing. Like, you know, we love working here and you should come and, and enjoy. So that was, that was the journey. And it was, it was a bit, you know, scary, you know, coming from a really dominant large company, you know, from going from there to this company that doesn't even have hundred people and, and, uh, and like barely had a business, but like they were building an exciting product. But I, you know, like I, I wanted to be, you know, I, you know, living in Seattle, you know, I would always hear about, 
you know, Silicon Valley and, you know, the charm it had and the, the spirit of entrepreneurship there. And I wanted to experience it. So it just made like, it was an easy decision for me to, to go and work on a great product and figure out like, you know, how startups are built. And here you were about employee 30th. Uh, and now the company has over 8,000 employees. So, I mean, unbelievable. I mean, there you were for, for three years. But I guess the question that comes to mind is, you know, in many of those companies, and we're going to, you know, discuss about the, the other businesses that you've been involved with, whether you were a co-founder or uh, the first employee, like what happened with Riverbed, uh, you, I mean, it's interesting how you've been able to manage to get involved with companies that have gone out to become billion-dollar companies with thousands of employees, like every single company that you've been involved with, you know, has gone to become, you know, a thousand-plus employee company. I mean, what, what, what does it look like, especially when, you know, you were employee 31st or employee number one in Riverbed or a co-founder? I mean, what are the key elements that you typically see uh, in, in a culture uh, that goes out and does, you know, some really magical things? Great question. So I think one thing, you know, like I've also looked back and and analyzed this, you know, like, you know, how like how did, you know, uh, every company that I was part of, like how did we actually, why were we able to actually go and, and achieve some level of success? And I, I think like I attributed to two things. One, like first and foremost, you know, luck, like you have to get lucky, you know, and I think that's basically, what, you know, what, what happened here. Like I was lucky, you know, to find the right people, like, you know, who were, who, who knew how to build companies and like, you know, build great products. And so just, you know, like, you know, I joined them and I benefited from, you know, uh, from their experiences. Um, the, but, but other than that, like, you know, one, one thing which maybe I did a good, you know, uh, you know, I made good decisions on was I, I was, I never thought hard about, hey, like, you know, or, about businesses, try to understand them in depth. Typically, whenever I went, you know, and joined a company, you know, they were solving a very obvious basic problem that I could easily relate to myself. Like, I know this was a problem. It needs to be solved. Like, I take an example, like, you know, Google, you know, it helps, you know, answers people's questions. All of us have questions all the time. You know, it's just so hard to actually, you know, find those answers across like millions of websites on the internet. Like, you know, Google built a product, like I used it, you know, I benefited from it. So it was obvious to me, they know they're solving a problem that all of us can benefit from. And the same thing applied to, every single company that I worked, worked at. You know, these are obvious problems that everybody knows exist. You know, these are l- large markets. And if you if you do a good job solving that problem, you know that, you know, you're adding value and you're going to build a successful business. That was like, one criteria for, like, when I picked, you know, my, you know, the companies that I wanted to work at. And that actually, like, you know, that sort of, you know, uh, you know, worked out, you know, for me. And uh, uh, and then, then, of course, the second part, you know, of, of your question there was that, you know, once you identify that, yes, you know, this is a problem worth solving. This is, you know, uh, um, you know, obviously, you know, since it's so, you know, since it's obvious, it's, you know, impacts so many people, like you can actually build a large business. The next part then is like, how are you actually going to, you know, like this, just having a problem is, is, is not enough. Like, you know, you need to actually solve it. And for that, you need the right team. And, and that was another thing that I would always look for. Like I, I always looked up to people. I would, I would, you know, I would look, you know, look at the leaders. I would look at their backgrounds, and I, the, the, the main decision that I would make when I would, you know, when I was actually choosing a company is, hey, are these the folks like who I feel I'm going to learn from? Are they better than me? You know, and that is something that you know is, is I think again, 
you know, the, the reason for why those companies became successful because so, they had less people. So one thing that comes to mind is, uh, obviously, you had the experience now with Akamai, uh, with Microsoft. So you had the startup side of things with the corporate side of things. Why did you end up going to Google and spending so much time in Google? I mean, most of your career, you spend it in Google. I mean, we're talking about over 11 years. So what really brought you to Google and what do you think kept you going for so long in Google after you had that exposure to the, to the early stages you know, type of things? Yeah, so, so like I said, I mean, with Google, first of all, it was a product that I used every day and I loved it. I felt that you know, the, it made me so much effective in you know in doing my job every day and then the second thing was google you know in 2003 2004 i mean it was by far the the company with the with, with the best reputation for hiring amazing people I, everybody you know there who i knew of uh, they were they were the people who i really aspired to work with and so those two factors you know were were basically why i was interested in them and i interviewed with the company and when i interviewed i actually just realized that oh man like you know look, look at all these people like you know these are like you know like you know uh i, I would learn so much from them like if i i'll be really lucky if i actually get a job here and i did and 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 that started my journey there now once once i was there you know it was a very google was built in a very unique way it was a very different culture than what i'd experienced anywhere else so one one of the things that google you know about unique about google culture was that this was a company run by engineers. Engineers ruled the company and everybody else, you know, all of the functions, you know, those were there to help engineers achieve the most. And so as an engineer, of course, I like that. I like that environment where I can be, you know, the most powerful guy. Like I can actually go and work on any idea that comes to me. And like, you know, I will get the funding and the resources to sort of, you know, make those ideas into real products. Um, so was a, that was a great place. And then as the company succeeded, the you could actually you know really you know uh, have a huge impact on everybody around you. So at Google, you know you you got you know we got this uh, opportunity, which you know I felt like you know it was just hard to get anywhere else where we could start products and we can start impacting you know millions or even billions of people around us and make their lives better. So uh, as an example, first time you know when I when I first joined Google, you know search was. You know, the, the only product that the company had and worked on on improving Google search. Uh, but in 2005, uh, you know, I was uh, given the opportunity to to uh, to run Google India, and and as part of that, you know, we realized that hey, you know, the the maps, you know, online maps are not available, you know, as a as a product for most of the countries, you know, most of the users in most countries in the world. And so at Google, you know, we could actually. You know, we you know we had the audacity to think like that. We say, okay, we're not actually just going to build maps for the entire world. Right? You know, I mean, it may take billions of dollars of investment, but the company would make it. And and you could see that, hey, if I actually do that, like you know, every day, you know, people's lives are going to get better. So we started to build maps for the entire world, and we got you know, and 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 we did that. Like you know, in in two or three years, we had map map, map you know maps online maps available for all, you know all the two hundred countries in the world. And so, you know, that ability to have that big impact was what actually, you know, uh, was what actually always kept me excited about working there. Uh, hey, guys, so pardon the interruption here. I got to tell you that, you know, for those of you that are either looking to raise money or you're looking to get your company acquired, 
you don't have to be alone. You know, there's a lot of psychology that needs to be blended with strategy, with methodology, with process. And it's very hard. And already doing your business alone is super, super difficult. So I remember, you know, back when I was an entrepreneur, I kept really experiencing the challenge of either knowing or finding the right type of access to the right type of investors or really understanding what was the right type of guidance, you know, that would carry me through the process, whether it was with seeking money or with going through the acquisition. So that gap that I found being an entrepreneur is ultimately what pushed me later on when I met my co-founder at Pantera, Mike Sieverson, to really put together an advisory firm where we are guiding entrepreneurs and founding teams through the capital raising efforts, whether you are at a seed stage or at a series A stage, or if you are going through the process of an acquisition and you are in small to mid cap type of cycle. So again, you know, we would help you from guiding you and, and supporting you from A to C all the way to the end as an extension of your team. And there's no reason for you to do this alone. So with that being said, if you would like to find out more, feel free to send me an email at alejandro at panteraadvisors.com and we would love to take a look at helping you out. When you joined, I mean, there were 800 employees at the time where you were leaving in 2014 to start your first company. We're talking about over 200,000 employees. I mean, it's a, it's amazing that you, for some reason in your career, you've been able to place yourself in places that end up growing like crazy because the company that you actually went to Google you know, right prior to that riverbed, I mean, there you were employee number one that has close to 2000 employees now. I mean, you were part of, of, of all of that crazy growth. So I, that, that's why I was asking that question. So I guess one of the things that, um, that really stands out for me, like being able to be on the right places at the right time. I mean, you say that that is being lucky, but as they say, luck is preparation meets opportunity. So how do you place yourself? Or in this case, how do you place yourself uh, in the right place so that the opportunity would come to you? And in this particular case, uh, given where we are at in the discussion of your journey with Rubric, because Rubric ended up being your first baby, your first company. I mean, on the other ones, you were really riding as the passenger. On Rubric, you ended up being, you know, driving there as, as, the, as the driver, right? I mean, riding as the driver because you were one of the co-founders. So tell us how Rubric really came about and how did you really decide to say, you know what? I'm going to give my notice, you know, at Google, especially after the incredible ride and the journey that you wrote at, at Google and having that security and, 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 and the nine to five, you know, stableness, you know, versus like, hey, let's, let's say goodbye to this and let's go and put out some fires. Yeah. So, the, so after being at Google for over a decade, um, one of the things that the, like in the, in Silicon Valley, you, you know, you, you know, we live in a very dynamic, environment and uh like I have, I have friends you know who you know we would always talk about technical problems all the time and problems that are you know were not being solved problems you know where there were good opportunities to go and and start start a company and 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 actually you know uh, and succeed as a business so so this was like something that i did like you know i've done almost my entire career like you know you you know outside of your work you always are always thinking about other ideas, you know, uh, you know yeah, talking to friends about it. And one of the things which, you know, we, in like 2013, um, one of the observations that we had was, you know, uh, along with my friends and, and, and with my 
with my co-founder from Rubrik, who's, who's, uh, who's the CEO there, um, was that there was so much attention being paid to, you know, in the technology world to build great technology for consumers. And we had like amazing companies that got started, you know, in the late, you know, 2010s to, uh, or late, late like 2000s to uh, early 20, you know, till 2013, companies like Airbnb and Uber and, uh, it was like, like, you know, the tech world was going through a boom, you know, that had never been seen before. But all of that, all of that uh, energy was basically, you know, going into like how to actually help, you know, like, you know, how, how to actually build great, you know, tech products to help consumers. And we felt that businesses were getting ignored. They were like, you know, not that many. You never hear about, you, you won't hear about amazing companies that are actually helping businesses, you know, solve problems using technology. And one specific problem, you know, that we, um, we, you know, uh, we thought was really, you know, long ignored was like, how do you keep, make it easy for businesses to keep the data safe and, and, um, and, and do more, you know, with that, da- with that data. And so that, that was sort of, you know, what we discussed, you know, uh, and with him and, um, uh, my other co-founder, uh, and, 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 and me, like the three of us, you know, you know, identified that there was an opportunity to help enterprises, you know, build an enterprise, you know, software technology company and solve that specific problem. And when when the problem became clear to us, you know, it also felt that okay, like you know, spent a lot of time in Google and it was time to learn something new. And that that was the thought process in my mind when I said, okay, let's 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 change and do, build something, build build something different. And what was the uh, business model there with uh, with Rubrik? How how do you guys say uh, make money with the company? So we so we build a product which uh, ma- makes it easy for businesses to keep their data safe. So we go to an enterprise, let's say enterprise software company, and or or any any company, and you know they have lots of data across a lot of their different you know you know you know you know technology systems. And so our product will basically go and connect with all of those systems and build a time machine of all of that data. So if anything bad happens in your enterprise, like if you lose data because you know there's a fire in the data center or if somebody makes a mistake then you always have that you know another safe copy of that data that rubric is hosting you know in its cloud and and you can recover back and you know resume your business so that was a business model so so basically you sell a, a service as well as a product to, to businesses and typically you would charge based on the amount of data that you're protecting there and it's really interesting here. I mean, you guys have uh, on Rubrik, you know, the company has raised a little bit over $550 million and uh, very interesting investors that you guys have also onboarded, uh, people like Kosla Ventures, Greylog. Uh, I mean, great, great investors. So how do you guys, you know, thought about capitalizing the business? I mean, what was that journey like? So we, we capitalized the business on day one, like instead of bootstrapping it. and the and 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 partly it was convenient for us because uh, our uh, one of our founders he used to work at Lightspeed Venture Partners and and so he had a relationship there and so it was like the the default you know like you know when you when you have a, when you build like when we the three of us when we built our our pitch together the first thing you you know we did was actually to go and talk to them and and they had a good offer and we took it and like we didn't even go and like you know talk to like a whole bunch of investors to figure out you know figure out who to raise money from because we had familiarity with that firm you know we knew, knew the people and and they have good terms for us so that's how we we got started with Lightspeed as 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 that was the first round they were they were the, they were the initial investors in the company 
Nice. And um, Rubrik, I mean, incredible company. I mean, it was a, a release not, not long ago in 2020. I think the company did like 600 million in revenue, 2,500 employees. I mean, unbelievable, the, the, the size of a company that Rubrik is, is, is right now. And, and I'm wondering, why did you decide to turn page in 2019 and, and go ahead with your next baby? Yeah, so it's a it's an interesting you know uh, turn of events. Like you know, so we, you know one of the things you know which so at Rubrik we were very lucky. We had a uh, we had a successful business. You know, a bus- you know a product that every business in the world needed, and and you know we built a good product. You know, a good modern product. So 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 great business, and it allowed the company to grow very fast. So we were I, I think we were about we were more than thousand people within four years of starting. And that's that's actually like you know that's a that's an unbelievable growth, and it's actually also hard because you know by the end of those four years, the we saw that hey we, we're growing at such a fast pace, you know we're increasing our expenses, and but we're not seeing the results from that. Like people are struggling. If you look at you know how much you know how much code is being written every day, um, um, it's actually you know staying flat no matter how many people you add. If you look at you know how how much you know a salesperson can sell. You know, the so their productivity is going down, and we started to wonder, like, what well, what is happening? Like, you know, why, why, what are we not doing correct? Like, why are people not getting enabled the right way? Um, and and we would do these, uh, you know, like you know, twice a year or once a year, uh, surveys, pulse surveys, where we would actually ask people, like, you know, like tell us more about like what the company can do better on, what are the, what are the what are the key problems you're facing, and the number one complaint that we would actually hear from. Our, our employees was that hey I cannot find anything in this company you know any information that I need and I also don't know who to go and ask for help when I need help so we, so in, in in like you know we were not really enabling people the right way and and this it was it's it was not a surprise that it was hard to find information because you know at at, at the company like we were built in this modern world with SaaS you know applications where it's very easy for people to bring you know a new application in the business to solve some business need and you know, before you know it, like you have hundreds of these applications and your company knowledge and information is spread across all of these different systems. And so we had so many of these applications, data spread all over, and the people were people were struggling. So so decided to solve that problem. And to solve that problem, like you know, I'm a search engineer because I've worked for over a decade, you know, building Google search. So my first thing was that hey, if you know you have a lot of information that's spread across so many different locations, you know, places. And you should like you should put a search product in front of them that can search across all of those systems, right? That will make it easy for people to find things that they need. They don't have to remember what's what what information is there. We tried to buy a product in this case, and we couldn't find anything. Nothing that was you know that would work for us. And I was surprised that hey, like why why is that the case? Like you know this seems like a not a problem unique to us as a company. Like I'm sure every other company. That has gone through the SaaS transformation is facing the same problem, and and it turned out that, that was the case. Like we talked to a bunch of other startups, you know, and learned from them that this was a problem that they also face. We talked to our customers; they also face this problem. So ultimately, you know, it became clear that there was a very big, large, unsolved problem in the world of business. People were struggling. People were spending one third of their time just looking for information. So there's a lot of big productivity loss. So and I got initially really excited about solving this problem because it was somewhat related to to our our core product in Rubrik. Because remember, like in Rubrik, we keep all the business data safe. So as part of that, you know, we bring all the data from all these different systems in one place. 
you know, just for the purposes of keeping it safe. Uh, but it, you know, we thought that hey, we could actually now also make it searchable and it will, you know, give us a new line of business. But then, you know, we realized that, you know, like business-wise, you know, it's not things are not that easy and you can't lose focus. And like before you have actually succeeded in your first product, you don't want to start like building a new product. So, but but by that time, I was really excited about the problem that I wanted to solve it. I felt it could have a huge impact on the on the world, and and so we decided to start this as in, in the brand company. And that ended up becoming Glean. So I guess hey, for Glean, uh, what is the business model uh, today? How do you guys make money for the people that are listening to get it? So so Glean Glean is a product that you can deploy in your company. Uh, it will it will you know Glean will connect with all the different sources of data within your company, the different enterprise apps. And 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 then it basically gives this search engine um, to your employees where they can go and quickly find information. And so you so you buy this is a SaaS product, you buy the service. Uh, when you pay you know when you buy the service you pay you know for every user that uses it on a per user per month basis. And that's how we make money from it. And it sounds like you uh, created quite an impression in Lightspeed because they invested again. Yeah, so the, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, we, I mean, we had good success at Rubrik and like we really loved working with the Lightspeed team. Um, they were big supporters of us throughout our journey at Rubrik. And and so we got them as one of our, you know, first investors along with, you know, Planet Perkins. Planet Perkins, General Catalyst, the Slack Fund. So, so how much capital have you guys raised so far for the business? We've raised a little over 55 million so far. Got it. And in terms of the company, I mean, anything, you know, for the people that are listening to get an understanding of the size, I mean, anything around employees or anything else, number of employees or anything yeah, else? Yeah, we are, yeah, so we're fast growing. So we're less than 100 people right now. And we hope to hope to double or triple in team size, you know, in the next one year. Is you know, we've built a really awesome product that people love. Our users really like this product. You know, they feel like, you know, it saves them multiple hours of time every week. So, you know, this is the time where we, you know, uh, Step on the gas and 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 really you know scale the company for the next few years. Now, one thing that uh, you're a big fan of is uh, allowing everyone to attend board meetings of the company. And typically, you would have the board meetings you know attended by board members like uh, investors or the management, the the, the the leadership team members. But it's a uh, quite interesting to have absolutely anyone that wants to join being able to join and being able to listen to some of the. Uh, Key sensitive issues of the business. So, so what's the uh, what's the um, thought process behind you know putting that in place? Yeah. So, so so building a company is is a you know it's, it's a difficult task. Right? It takes many many years, and you have to work hard at it. And the first thing you have to do is you want to make sure that you have the right people, you know, who um like who you know like who are going to actually build this company with you, and 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 Typically, like you know, folks, um, you know, uh, who are the best for joining a startup are those who want to actually really succeed, who want who are very driven, who want to learn how to actually build a startup because you know they probably want to be you know entrepreneurs you know themselves in the future, and 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 you have to be able to attract those people. And so from our side, like you know, one thing that we always strive for is how do we create the the best learning environment for 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 people. So that we can actually get best people in, and they actually, you know, uh, enjoy you know working at the company and learn all the skills that they wanted to learn. Uh, so from that perspective, you know, we make sure that um, you know for everybody in the company gets that 
holistic experience of like what what does it mean to build a company like whether you're an engineer whether you're a marketing person like we want we want you to have a full look at the company like what's like how it's going to get built and like you know if you're an engineer learn like talk to sales people talk to marketing people and learn like you know how to sell the product what are they need from you um and so the so part of you know this like why we have our board meetings also being open is so that people can have that experience people can learn like you know how they start you know how this company is being built it's like you know get that you know driver seat into um into you know seeing that you know uh, seeing that uh, journey over time and then the second reason why we 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 have this culture of you know high transparency is because startups are always a difficult journey and you know there are lots of ups and downs like sometimes you'll win a great deal sometimes you're going to lose something you know some like sometimes you make a bad hire like you know somebody is not a good fit and so there are a lot of problems like it's not it's not like a successful business yet where the the underlying business is so strong that other problems can be looked over and so in this in this world of you know like ups and downs the the it's better for the company you know to actually be fully transparent as opposed to sort of hiding things which are you know things that are not going well and then you know losing trust of your employees because they will feel that hey like you know the company doesn't share the challenges they only talk about good stuff and they sort of start to lose belief in in you know in the company as a whole like they're not sure anymore of like how well the company is really doing and that will start to then you know like you know they will have challenge like you know being you know staying committed to it as opposed to that we feel the easier path is like everybody knows everything everybody knows exactly how the company is doing and and then people can decide you know like there's some people who want to actually you know go and look at things that are not working well and they want to actually they see that those as opportunities and they want to go and fix them others you know who sort of get scared with that and they want to sort of maybe move on and then that's the right thing for the company you want people who want to actually you know come and solve problems for us so we feel like transparency helps you know a big you know in a big way for that got it now imagine if you were to go to sleep tonight arvin and you uh wake up in a world where the mission of glean is fully realized what does that world look like so glean will succeed when everybody who we know uses glean every day in their work life to get more things done so that's our mission you know it should be as pervasive as google is for example in our in our personal lives right? it's, it's hard for anyone to imagine living without google search today and that's how like we we want glean to be that you know in your work life when you need you know an answer to a question like you go you go to glean and get that answer so so that's that's when mission will be accomplished for us and we see that we're bringing bringing you know uh making everybody in the world more more productive and and get, you know getting you know like enabling everybody to get a lot more things done in what they can today i love it now imagine i put you into a time machine and i bring you back in time back in time to have a chat with that younger arvin that younger arvin that hasn't really launched anything yet and you have the opportunity of having a sit down and telling or giving that younger arvin one piece of business advice before launching a company what would that be and why given what you know now good question so the one like you know one thing which i didn't talk about is that you know so I, you know i got i i got to start you know uh, a couple of companies um and but my you know journey you know in terms of how those companies got started 
or not that like, you know, I was, you know, in that mindset of that, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur and I want to actually go create a company. And now let me figure out like, hey, what is this company going to be about? That was, that, that's always a hard process in my, in my opinion. Like if you want to be an entrepreneur, I think the best way to start companies is to just like, you know, keep your eyes open, you know, in, your, in the current job that you are at. The problems are going to come to you. You, gonna, you know, there, there are enough technical problems that actually need to get solved in the world. Like, you know, technology has a long ways to go. And just as being, being part, you know, in your, as, as part of your day-to-day day job, you're going to encounter those problems. And when, 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 when you encounter a problem like that, your conviction in that is going to be much higher and you're actually going to and actually build a company in it. Because most of the times what happens is that, what happens is that you, you know, you have this, like I've seen this many times where somebody wants to be an entrepreneur and they start to sort of say, you know, pick a problem. They will do research. They'll talk to a few people, you know, talk, you know, learn about, you know, one problem to be solved. And then they'll start to sort of figure out a solution to it. And at some point they're going to lose faith in it themselves. So people say that nine out of 10 startups fail. I always tell them that no, 99 out of 100 fail because the other 90, you know, fails in the, in the mind of the engineer who wanted to start it before they even tried to do anything, before they tried to raise funding or anything, right? And, and it's because of conviction. So you, you know, and conviction doesn't come when you have only had exposure to a problem for like, you know, two weeks or one month. Conviction comes when you've seen a problem, you know, for a long time. And you've seen a lot of people facing that problem. And that naturally happens, you know, as part of like, you know, where you're working at. Uh, so, so my advice to you is to actually, you know, you know, you know, think that way, like, you know, for your entrepreneur, entrepreneurship journey, think first about the problem. I think about the problem that you've seen and make sure that you have exposure to that. Like, so, we, you know, go and, you know, be at places that give you exposure to like, you know, like what problem, you know, what problems, you know, uh, potential customers face. So, so from that point of view, like in generally, I advise people to also work at startups because you get broader exposure there. Yeah, you get to interact more with customers. You learn more about, you know, the environment, the industry, and typically what you would learn at a, at a larger company. I love it. So, Arvind, for the people that are listening, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi? You know, you can you can connect with me at my you know through email. My email is arvind@glean.com, and uh, and uh, and yeah, like I'd love to hear back from hear from from you. Amazing. Well, Arvind, thank you so much for being on the Deal Maker Show. It has been an honor to have you with us. Uh, likewise, thank you so much for inviting me. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.